You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right. You know, this is really a historic week as we celebrate Martin Luther King Day, and we see the ending of a two-year, a two-term president, the first African-American president in our nation's history. And so much of that, as we prepare for this year, is just to realize that people's work pay dividends. And what Martin Luther King did decades ago has really gone into what has happened this next week here as we see President Obama um, end his term. And I know for myself, it's just been incredible. As we were traveling, Lena and I were traveling overseas, and we missed so many of our time here in America But to be able to be here for eight years and just to see the events of the election and the re-election and whether you, you know, you appreciate the politics or not, whether you're a Democrat or you are a Republican, surely we all appreciate the historic, historical uh, significance of what had happened. So to me, it was pretty emotional uh, as I watched the uh, farewell address. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, I think it was great. I, uh, you know, Lena and Gabby were sitting there with me and, you know, I was crying and, you know, just thinking about the words of this man that, that served uh, for the last eight years. And as he introduced his family and his kids and his tears flowed down my eyes and uh, I was just evaluating. I was just so many things going through my heart and part of it was just the gratitude and just the, the, the overwhelming uh, amazement of uh, history transpiring um, but I think also I was just thinking, man, does this happen a lot as you get older? I mean, you just cry about everything. So is that true, John? I mean, you just cry about everything. <laughs> like everything gets to me, you know. I'm sitting there watching stuff. There's little tears coming down. And it made Lena cry, too. And just the whole family was crying. But uh, I just want to say that. That's, I know that's been, we're finishing up, and I don't think it's done yet, quite a tumultuous election season. And I think there's more to come, but I think it's good to keep a perspective of what has been going on and appreciate uh, just all the great things that has been going on as well. As we enter 2017, it's a momentous year for me as well. Uh, I am, I just turned 50 and uh, I will celebrate, Lena and I, thank you, thank you, still alive, still kicking. Um, Lena and I will celebrate our 25th anniversary uh, this year. And uh, I am notorious for getting bad gifts for my wife. Uh, one year, I got her an insurance policy for myself. <laughs> I was so excited, man. I went up to her and I said, there it is. And if anything happened to me, you're covered. And I was so excited, you know. Uh, last Christmas, not last Christmas, but the Christmas before, I gave her a Fitbit. I don't think she wanted a Fitbit. So it comes back to me. So this year for my birthday, for Christmas, she gave me the Fitbit that I gave her two years ago. So, amen, amen, good lesson. So I know that Lena and, uh, you know, uh, Tanya and Olivia had their girls night out uh, a couple weeks ago and just a bonding time. And I don't know, but she came back and she showed me this picture that she painted. And I'm thinking it's a hint for our anniversary, right? 
no insurance policy, no bed bed. I think that's where she wants to go. So I want to ask Chaz, Todd, what did you get when they came home? Is it the same thing? All right. So maybe we'll take a look at Travelocity together and we'll compare notes. But I appreciate my wife and uh, she's a good sport being married to me. You know, for this year, we want to focus. We want to keep things simple. And I read an article that Jarrell had forwarded me about millennials. And in this generation, millennials are flocking away from the church more than any other generation that's been recorded. And they list out like 12 things that they listed out why they're leaving the church. And one of them I thought was really cool was it, it, it highlighted the fact that they said, we're kind of tired of gimmicks. You know, we're kind of tired of church folks getting together for years and months and priding themselves on coming up with a great pithy mission statement. We want authenticity. We want the real deal. And we want people to just live out their Christianity in a real way. And I thought that's really funny that in this age, and it's so true, that in this age of flash and incredible worship experience, that the millennials, and maybe this is one person, but I don't think so, that that's what in their heart of hearts, that's what they yearn for. And I thought that that's not a millennial thing, but that's just a human thing. And what the Bible says, love must be sincere. It must be sincere. Now, when Jesus spoke these words as he was pressed by the people that knew laws, that had lived their lives under 613 laws in the Old Testament, pressed Jesus and said, what do you live by, Jesus? And he says, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two Commandments that he laid out. And I thought that, you know, this is before, you know, we set this out before I ever read that article. Because at the end of the day, I've been a disciple for almost 30 years, more than half of my lifetime. And I've seen my fair share of churches and different movements and different things. And at the end of the day, and that's my conclusion as well. That what is really important is to love God and to love people. Not others, but people, because we're included in that as well. Because scripture teaches us to learn how to have a healthy love for ourselves. What parents don't want their kids to love themselves in a right way? So instead of love God, love others, love God, but love people as well. And I have Dr. Tim Summerlin here to talk about loving people as a part of, even within that group, a subset of loving each other within the church. And I'll talk about loving those outside the church. But that's what Jesus says. When pressed, he says, there is no greater, there is no commandment greater than these. If we get these two things down, we're going to be all right. Amen? I appreciate Jesus, right? Just kind of giving us the cliff note answer for the whole Bible. That if we get these two things down, we're going to be okay. And collectively and individually as well. Love God. What does it mean to love God. And the Bible talks a lot about that. You know, we read in the Psalms where David, you know, introspectively looking at his own life, thinking, 
and, and, and researching his own heart. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What was important to David was that. He says, listen, test me. I dare you, God. Show me what's in my heart. Point out anything to me that is offensive to you. And help me make it all the way to the end. That was on his heart as he expressed himself in the Psalms. You know, in Ephesians, nothing new. It's the same thing. When Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he says to them, he gave them instruction. He says, for you were once in darkness, but now you're in the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. These are two great scriptures that basically talk about the same thing. Having a time together, whether in prayer or through the word. And we talked a lot about that. I appreciate Tim. He did a lesson for the family group leaders and talking about falling in love with the word of God and using the word of God as a standard. And especially as, as people are put in leadership position, that's got to be our standard. It's not our opinions or our own experiences or whatever. Those things perhaps supplement and help us understand better, but it can never, ever Substitute. It supplements, but it can never, ever substitute for the Word of God. And find out what pleases God. Isn't that true that, you know, when you are in love with somebody and you think about it, and you, you, that's what you think about. You know, I appreciate Christian Cordova, and he's been setting up some time with me. And, you know, we got together uh, at the Panera, and you know, he's been dating Cheyenne now, and Cheyenne... You know, made us a a leap of faith to come out here from Wisconsin to to be with Christopher. And, you know, and I appreciate Christopher just sitting down with me and says, can I need your help and how to be a better boyfriend? And and some of the things that I'm thinking through and thinking about and my future and stuff like that. And that's that's what it means. When you care enough about a relationship, you want to find out what pleases that person, the object of your love. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. You know, if I were to ask anybody, say, do you love God? Do you love God? And they say, of course we love God. Everybody says that. No one would say, no, I don't. But in the same thing as in a relationship, it takes two, right? Lena and I have been married for 25 years. At the beginning of our marriage, I would always ask, you know, people would ask, how's your marriage? I said, we're doing great. But over the years, I've learned, well, let me ask my wife how she feels. Because my perspective, perhaps, is one way. It's important to get her perspective as well. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. How does God feel about our relationship with him? Do we have these things in our hearts when pressed? Search me, oh God. If there's anything offensive in me, let me get it out. In the afternoon portion of our workshop, Tim did a a lesson about just being open. And, uh, you know, talked to Todd about that and just really putting together a program where we can... Perhaps meet together after church and have these different groups together and and really creating a safe place for us to be open about our lives and our inmost thoughts and and darkness and to really, I think, live out some of these scriptures to find out what pleases the Lord and starting out with what doesn't please the Lord. Amen.
You know, when God created us, we got to go back to the beginning. And to understand what were we, what we were created for. And the Bible gives us commandments about how to love God. But, you know, the Bible teaches us that God gives us the power and the strength to love him. And at the beginning, and I appreciate the scripture a lot in Genesis, it starts off, and this is the creation of mankind before man has ever sinned or woman has ever sinned. And the Bible says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Sometimes we forget who we are. And sometimes we forget so that we go out and we try to make up all these different things to, to really supplement and to make us feel a little bit better. But all we need to do is to go back to God's word. And this very passage here is so profound in this sense that it should define who we are. What? We were, defi- we were created in the image of God himself. That when God created us, he put God's image in us. That we were modeled after God. We were built and made after God's image. So we have divinity in us. Isn't that amazing? So many of us struggle, myself included, with self-doubt, self-worth, and all those things. And, And yet this scripture states it very clearly. You know, I remember when Lena and I were in Bangkok and... You know, I've shared this story before. I'm a night person, and I would go out and hang out and get noodles with the brothers, you know, 12 or 1 in the morning and have our deeds on Bangkok. It's such a busy, busy city. It's like New York. It's 24 hours. And we would sit there, and we see these women who are working in the night, and you know what I mean, sit next to us. And I, I just remember just so desperately wanting to express to them this very scripture. Do you know how valuable you are? That you're more than $30 an hour or $50 an hour or whatever the going rate uh, was at the time. That we are created in the image of God. And not only that, but God gives us authority over this earth. God is green. He cares about the earth. He gives us authority over his own creation. And First John talks about this. If we understand this, And the Bible talks about how inextricably linked the love of God and the love of people is. First John. John was pretty much an old man by this time. He looks back. He says, we love because what? He loved us first. God loved us first. Have you ever seen the movie Gladiator? This tortured king played by, I think, River Phoenix or Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. He looks at, you know, the, the child sleeping and so peacefully. And his comment was, he sleeps so well because he knows he's loved. He's at peace because he knows that he's loved. He himself had these dark, he was in a movie, I love that movie. He's dark, he's like tortured, he wants to kill all these people. But he recognized that, man, he sleeps so well because he's loved. He's at peace because he's loved. And John talks about that we love Because God loved us first. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. There's a reality to scripture. Isn't that great? It's not this ethereal, lovey-feely. It's just, hey, look, love God, that's me and God. That's it. 
It's more than that. There's a tangible side to what love for God looks like. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. It's inextricably linked together. There's no way to sever that cord. To love God is to love his people, to love his creation. You see, when we looked at Genesis 1, it talked about pre-fall mankind. And when God created man, what did he say? You're going to be responsible for the earth. You're going to be responsible for the fish. You're going to be responsible for the animals. You're going to be responsible for you know, the, 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 the creation itself. But after the fall, what was more important was God shifted his priorities. That although the earth is important, as we will look at, but the Bible says that what's really important now is people. And God says, you've got to love my people. You've got to love my people. That's how you show your love for me, is to love my people. In the book of Jonah, Jonah ran away from God. Because God had commissioned him to go to this nation that ravaged his nation, the city of Nineveh. And I know as we look at our own situation in America today, it is not hunky-dory. There's a lot of things going on. And perhaps some of us is looking forward to a time when, you know, we got some feelings coming up on here. And I want us to, ask, I want us to really think about biblical precedents. For how God expects us to be as citizens and as people in his kingdom. God commissioned Jonah to go out and Jonah said, no way, I'm not having any part of this. He ran away and God had to chase him down and called him to the commission that he gave him. To love people, people who he hated in his heart. That's the extent of what God called him to do. And in, after being in the belly of the fish, this is his conclusion. He says, those who cling on to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grace, uh, grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. In another version, it says, those who cling on to worthless idols forfeit the grace of that could be theirs. Those who cling on to hatred, anger, bitterness, whatever sin we can fill in the blank, lust, anger, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. He figured that out in the belly of a fish. So sometimes when we go through tough times, brothers and sisters, those are the most instructive times in our lives. Amen? Let's learn from what God has put us in. And in Jonah chapter 4, as we close out this part here, it says, But God says, after all this wrestling, he figured that out, but he relapsed. He's still angry. And God set him down and said, But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this plant. He was so worried about this plant. He was still stuck in Genesis 1. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, 
in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell from their right hand from their left. And for the vegans, and also many animals. Many animals. God cares. And he says, listen, Jonah, I know you, I know you said that in Genesis, Jonah 2, but you relapsed. You got to renew yourself here, buddy. This, this plan is going to come and go. I need you to care about people. And the second part of our sermon today is just love people. That's how we show our love for God. Because he cares about us. You know, those who have children knows this, right? You have kids running around and, you know, people that take a genuine interest in your kids, who love your kids, you love them back. You're like, man, thank you so much. It's the same thing with God. And at this time, I'd like to introduce Dr. Tim Summerlin. Good morning, church. My name is Tim Summerlin, and I'm from the Denver Church. I bring you greetings from the great Rocky Mountain region. I spent yesterday conducting a workshop called Disciples in Motion with several passionate disciples from the West Side, the Spanish-speaking, and San Diego churches, discussing the various features of the recovery ministry. The West Side Church will begin Disciples in Motion soon. Keep your ears and eyes open. For more information, I'm so impressed by your leaders here, Ken and Lena, Todd and Tanya and the Shumps. You know, they work really hard among you and they care deeply about this church. Thanks, guys. It's a great joy to call you friends. You know, I love the theme for this year. Love God and love people. What can be greater or simpler than that? We want to love God more in new ways. And love involves obeying Him and dealing with anything that interferes with our walk with God. You know, often there are character changes that we desire. Perhaps there's a sin that you need to change. Maybe you've had that sin going on for many years now. Some of us have shame, abuse, or other hurts in our background which hold us back. No matter who you are, we can all agree on something. If we're honest, we can admit that we're weak. Instead of being ashamed of our weaknesses and hide them or try to deny them, let me share with you how we might embrace weakness to make the changes we want, to be more for God, and to really be able to serve other people. You know, when we're too busy dealing with our own stuff, And we're denying that we have change to make. We can't really serve other people very well. We're too consumed with who we are and what we need. So I want to share with you this morning briefly about how Jesus works through our weakness. Let me ask you a question. Is the West Side Church more like a hotel or a hospital? Or more importantly, is your heart... More like a hotel or a hospital. Let me explain this. I work as a counselor, and two years ago, I was flown down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to visit the University of Tulsa. It's a very prestigious college, and they put me up in a nice hotel. You know, hotels look really nice. They're fancy and even opulent. In a hotel, people are friendly enough, but only on the surface. 
They surround you with lots of comfy things, and we feel good there. I enjoyed my stay, but I don't feel very attached to those people. I don't even remember their names. You're a customer that brings in a profit. A hotel serves a function. It's a nice place to visit, but a hotel is not my home. When we check out, we're done. This is not the way I want my heart to be or my church to be. So a few, so I flew home, and on the next day, my wife gave me a honeydew list, which included cleaning out the gutters. For an unknown reason, on the top of a ladder, I lost consciousness, and I fell 12 feet onto a metal gas meter, and I broke number seven and number eight ribs in my body. Needless, needless to say, it was a horrible experience, and my wife, Jackie, rushed me to the hospital. Hospitals are not very comfy, and I was quickly surrounded by a trauma team. They were very concerned about me. Perhaps I had punctured a lung or it damaged my heart. Doctors, nurses, techs, everyone stopped what they were doing to help me, a complete stranger. And I hadn't even paid them yet. You know, hospitals need to know why you're there. And their main role is to get you better. The staff was not freaked out by my condition. It didn't scare them or cause a panic. And they also don't care how I look. I was quite vulnerable and very undignified. And I'll let you figure out what that one means. The time spent there took a lot of energy, pain, and emotion on both ends. The nurses showed up in my room at 2.30 a.m. to stick more needles in my arms and then let me go back to sleep. They used all sorts of things to get me back on track. Sometimes I even had to say or do mean things like, Get up, Tim. Stand up. Push through the pain for my good. When I left there, I was better, and I felt very attached to them. I even remember their names, Cindy, Andy, and Anne-Marie. That's the way I want my heart to be, and that's the way I want my church to be. Here's what Jesus said. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he also said, I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. We have to decide if our church and our hearts are going to be a hotel or a hospital. Here's what the Apostle Paul said about weakness. He said, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. You know, Paul was honest, even embarrassingly honest. Paul also said, if I must boast, then I'm going to boast about the things that show my weakness. Paul not only said he was weak, but he shared the very things that showed his weakness. He was vulnerable. Don't you find it refreshing and attractive when others are vulnerable around you? What about you? Where's your vulnerability level today? Are you too proud to let people know who you really are? Drop the pride and open up. Perhaps you were harmed before by being too open. Let me encourage you to seek out trusted friends and open back up again. Those difficult areas that need to change. You see, God is glorified in our weaknesses, but he's hidden with our pride. People are attracted to weakness, not to those who have it all together. We are weak, and that's a fact. 
We get deceived and we think we have to appear strong. But in reality, we just need to be who we are. Weak people and Jesus will make us strong. If we can't be weak and vulnerable in a church setting, then where can we be weak? Here's what Paul also said. He said, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. You know, Paul was convinced that true strength comes through the understanding and the exposure of our weaknesses. Think about the people that Jesus hung around with. You know, he spent most of his good times around the weak people, not the sharp guys. He was actually out there rebuking those guys. Jesus knew that those who understood their weaknesses, the blind, the lame, the brokenhearted, the contrite, those people revealed the very heart of God and demonstrated the power and creative heart of Jesus to help us. Paul was weak. But Jesus was also weak. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows, that he humbled himself. He became poor so we could be rich. Jesus became weak. And that's the difference between Jesus and us. We're just plain weak. But Jesus chose weakness. He chose the cross for our sakes. Paul said this about Jesus. He said, for, for to be sure... Jesus was crucified in weakness. Jesus himself showed us the way to strength was through weakness. Jesus did not die a horrible death on the cross for those of us who have it all together. Nope. He died for the weak, the sick, those who need a doctor. The Hebrew writer encourages us when he said this about Jesus. He is able to deal gently with those who are who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself, Jesus, is subject to weakness. Jesus shows kindness to the weak, and there is no greater demonstration of his kindness than the cross. The leaders of the West Side Church are excited to be starting the Disciples in Motion ministry soon. It's a way to reach out to other people that have hurts, and it's a way for you to deal with those hurts in your life. And I want to encourage you guys to consider coming. It's for anyone with anything that interferes with their walk with God. Anyone with anything. As you consider your direction for the coming year and the hopes and dreams that you have to love God and other people, let's be like our brother Paul and boast in our weaknesses. And let's also imitate Jesus by choosing weakness to demonstrate the power and the grace of God. Thank you for listening and for considering weakness. And may God bless each and every one of you this week. You know, whether you know it or not, you are a doctor when you come into this church. You become a spiritual doctor. Because the Bible asks us to be that way for each other. And the Bible says this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God calls us to be the spiritual doctor in his church. To help one another to really heal and to renew ourselves. You know, I appreciate Tim. And I even appreciate Tim 
with the timing. And, you know, yesterday Tim went a little bit over. So he said, man, I practiced all night last night to keep within my six minutes. Thank you so much, Tim. Appreciate it. You know, the book of Isaiah talks about that as well. It says, it is not, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant and to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those in Israel I have kept. I will also make you a life for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. On the one hand, the church really is a hospital. That it is an institution that God has in store for us to come in and to glorify him through the work of the Holy Spirit and through one another. But on the other hand, the Bible also says what? To Isaiah says, yeah, it's not enough for you just to restore the people of Israel. I need you to go out to be a light for the Gentiles as well. So it is also a ministry of war as well. As we wage a battle in this world. So you are a doctor and you are also a soldier as well. Amen? Isn't that cool? You probably didn't know that, right? When you walked through the doors of this church here. I know I was going to be a doctor. I didn't know I was going to be a, a soldier as well. But that's exactly what God has called us to be. In Luke chapter 10, he told them, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs amongst the wolves. You know, last year we had 26 people getting baptized in our church. We had three people who got restored. Kim and, you know, uh, and, and, and Singleton got restored. Renee got restored. Renee got held up on Friday nights at gunpoint, a fake gun, but a real knife. And I'll bet you he was pretty glad that he was restored at that moment. But I think about that, and as great as that is, to be honest with you, that's only a fraction of what we can do. And Jesus says what? Send out the workers. Send out the workers to the mission field that is Culver City, that is Palms, that is on the west side. At the end of Jesus' life, he was opening up just his heart. And this is what he said, and I hope that we can really take it to heart as well. He says, my command is this, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for one's friends. It's more than words. Love is just more than a feeling. It's more than just a declaration. It's laying down our lives for our friends, whether in this room here today or the people that we're going to meet today throughout our whole city. You know, there's a movie that I'm dying to watch, and I haven't had time to do so, but I, I'm dying to watch it. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. And it's about a guy who was drafted or, or volunteered into the military in, in, in World War II. And... Um, but there was one problem. He didn't want to carry a gun. He wanted to go to war, but he didn't want to carry a gun. And uh, he was ostracized as someone who was a coward. that didn't want to fight. But in the Battle of Okinawa, which was the last battle in the Pacific Theater, he saved over 70 people without a gun. While his buddies were lying dead or wounded in the field, and the Japanese had already conquered that area. Throughout the night, he would go in and go out 
taken his, his buddies one by one. And uh, this is a picture of him being decorated by Truman. It's a real story of him being decorated by Truman. And uh, throughout the whole movie, and this is what he said, as he was carrying his buddies and lying him back one by one. He says, Lord, give me just one more. Each time he lowers another one, soldiers, to safety, the prayer is repeated. Lord, just give me one more. One more. Back and forth, back and forth. He saved over 70 of his comrades. Isn't that awesome? And Paul said the same thing. And maybe we're not going to be in a war. Maybe we're not going to, you know, this is what he did. I don't know if you know, it's true or not, but he, you know, with grenades come into the camp and stuff, he would hit the grenades with his hands. And, and maybe we don't have to do that, amen? But I think we can do this here, though, as we close on out. He says, though I am free and I belong to no one, I made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Amen. Let's all stand on up at this time as we close out in song. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.